Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. Each week, we'll be talking with real people with real stories about things they have not said or done or have said or done in their workplace that required bravery. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Ed Everts, and I'm the founder and president of Excellius Leadership Development. Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. I hope you have listened to our past podcast conversations. And if you'd like to hear past episodes, go to BeBraveAtWork.com, subscribe to our podcast, and learn some valuable lessons about bravery at work. My new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Success, is now available at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and at any online book retailer you prefer. Check it out today. Our podcast today is sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies. Based in Woburn, Massachusetts, Cabot Risk Strategies has created innovative and customized insurance strategies for individuals and families, businesses, nonprofits, commercial real estate, and public entities. Cabot's client base continues to expand, both within the region and within the markets they serve. And if you're looking for customized insurance services and solutions, contact Cabot at 800-222-5963 or visit them at cabotrisk.com. I'm really excited to introduce our guest this morning. Timothy Clark is the founder and CEO of Leader Factor, a training, consulting, coaching, and assessment organization that focuses on leadership development, organizational change, strategic agility, psychological safety, and emotional intelligence. He is the developer of the EQometer assessment and the four stages of psychological safety training program. Tim earned a doctorate in social science from Oxford University is a former two-time CEO and first-time, excuse me, first-team academic All-American football player at Brigham Young University. Tim is the author of five books and more than 130 articles on various aspects of leadership and performance. His new book, The Four Stages of Psychological Safety, was recently released by Barrett Kohler, and we're going to be talking a lot about that book today. Dr. Clark works with leading organizations across industries and advises a number of executive teams on large-scale change and transformation, building cultures that innovate, high potential programs, and succession planning. Tim is one busy person. Hello, Tim. How are you doing, Ed? I am doing great. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. I'd love for you to tell us a little bit more about what you do today. I gave folks a brief history of your background, but what did we miss and you know what is it that the leader factor does and presents to the marketplace today well i think if if anything we try to focus on bridging theory to practice because ultimately if you're in leadership if you're in management it, you're a practitioner and you care about leadership as an applied discipline and so i think i think if i bring anything that's a little unique it's the ability to bridge those two worlds because uh, when I when I left Oxford, I was going to be a professor, but I took a different route and I ended up in industry. And so I've been working with line managers and leaders across industry ever since. And I'm grateful for that opportunity because in the theoretical world, you don't really, it, it, it may not work and that's okay. But in in the real world of organizations and leadership, it has to work. And so um, I'm, I, I appreciate the opportunity to, to be able to work with those who have to apply behaviors, concepts, and tools and get actual results. 
Well, we're going to be talking a lot today about the four stages of psychological safety, the work that you do as an individual, as an organization, and the book that you recently published. I'm curious, though, first to hear your thoughts. You know, why do you think it's so hard or why do you feel so many leaders are challenged bringing great thoughts and concepts and ideas to action? I mean, that's the work that many consultants do, which is trying to bring people to action. And sometimes they succeed. Sometimes they have moderate results and sometimes they fail. You know, any thoughts or observations on why moving to action or practicing is so hard? I think, well, it's a f- it's a fabulous question, and it's the question that we confront every day. I think that, uh, first of all, we have to take a concept and we have to operationalize it. And usually that means being able to understand what, what really matters about that concept and how it can be applied. And so it really comes down to uh, understanding it's, it's really about strategy. So strategy is really about trade-offs and it's about figuring out what you absolutely need and then leave the rest. And, and what we find with tools and behaviors and skills is that if that tool or behavior or skill is even one degree too complex, guess what? People don't use it. They don't apply it. They leave it on the shelf and it gathers dust. And so the, the tools and the concepts and, and the behaviors that we use, they have to be simple. They have to be something that you can learn and apply immediately for value and impact. And, and so I think that's where the bias is because otherwise it doesn't last. Uh, so the bias is towards simplicity and towards speed of implementation well, that's the issue that many people experience. They either don't do it or they peak. They do it for a couple of months and yeah. then it just stops. They just that's start right. doing it and they don't keep going. So this idea of speed and simplicity, I think, can connect with people effectively. Well, and think about this. Ed. Think about uh, how many people complain about flavor of the month and about change fatigue and about doing all kinds of things. Well, what happens is after a while, our organizations are littered with the remains of changes that didn't quite work out. What happens to leadership in the process? We lose credibility. So that, that's so we what happens is we have false start after false start after false start. And, and that's what we need to avoid. So we have to be very careful about the things that we do go after. And they should be very few. But when we do when we do commit to go after something, a change or to implement anything, we need to be fully committed to do it because it's going to take constant effort and reinforcement to make it work. One of the pathologies that leaders have is they get excited about something, um, but then after a while, right, they lose steam and they lose momentum. And then it, uh, we snap back and there's what we call a regression to the mean. So we just go back to our old ways. Well, that's, that's not going to help anybody and it's not going to help the organizations and it's not going to help the leaders in terms of, of credibility and, and performance. Well, and I think this is one of the areas where bravery at work may come into play, which is having the bravery to reflect on the past because as new leaders come in, we're at risk of repeating those behaviors you were just describing that don't move us forward and having the bravery to 
either reflect on the past or say something that needs to be said in respect to what we've experienced could help influence better outcomes. That's right. That's right. Uh, I think the what that makes me think of, Ed, is that bravery begins with yourself. It, it begins in that inner uh, personal private realm where you're having conversations with yourself and no one else because there are formidable barriers that get in the way of us changing and improving. Uh, one, of the, one of the tools that I like to use with leaders is we talk about what I call uh, the three patterns of, of um, getting off or uh, diverting the truth. or And so what they are, um, they are denial, blame, and excuse. So these are, these are what I call the three patterns of deflection. So because when, when, it come, when we come to a juncture and we need to change or improve something, uh, we have two choices as humans. We can, either, we, we can either change or we can change our belief about needing to change. We're going to do one of those two things, which is, which is harder. Changing is harder. So that's so people have a hard time doing that. What's easier? Well, just change your belief about needing to change. So then we go into a soothing story, a rationalization, a justification. And we don't have to change anymore. And so those three patterns of deflection are things that we use all the time: denial, blame, and excuse. So if you use if you use those, then you you know you're okay, and you can c- continue with the status quo, and you'll you'll give yourself reasons that, that that's okay. So I think, as I said before, bravery begins in the inner world uh, within the heart and mind and soul of the individual. And then we can go outside and, and we can interact with people, but we have to make commitments with ourselves first before anything's going to happen. Well, I'm smiling as you're thinking about and talking about the three patterns of deflection, because oftentimes the client's they may say something like, you know, Ed, uh, this may sound like an excuse or I don't mean to make an excuse. And then they make an excuse. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so That's right. so they're, they're even self-acknowledging that they're about yeah. to do, do something that they're denying they're about to do. So, yeah. Well, it, I mean, think about organizations. Organizations do this, too. Organizations that die, if you if you conduct any kind of postmortem of failure and, and uh, for organizations that die, you always come to the conclusion that they stopped innovating. They stopped being able to adapt to a dynamic environment. Well, what what happened? Why did they stop innovating? And, and on further reflection and analysis, what we find is that th- these organizations are filled with highly intelligent people. They stopped adapting because they became willfully blind. They stopped taking in the environment. They stopped processing it and they stopped responding to it. They had the ability. So they had the skill. What they lost was the will. And so they became willfully blind. Well, we do that at an individual level. We do that at a team level. We do that at an organizational level. That is a very dangerous place to be. Uh, So bravery means that you can, at least for me, it means that you can move through that and be extremely honest 
with the current state and being able to assess the current state and say, hey, you know what? We need to change and and we need to do it now. And this is what we need. We may not we, we may not have it all figured out as far as the future state, but we know we've got to take a journey. We know that we've got to uh, we, we've got to leave the current state and let's figure it out. That, that takes an awful lot of bravery to begin that journey, I think. Absolutely. I think that's a great example of bravery that is needed in many organizations. And I just want to go back to something you mentioned earlier, Tim, about change or the change in our belief of the need to change. And do you think people need to change their belief first before they can change? A fascinating question that I've wrestled with for many, many years. As a matter of fact, I I just published an article called Behave Until You Believe. And the concept is that oftentimes when we need to change, we don't, we have not yet crossed a threshold of conviction. We're not 100% convinced or committed but we need to start the journey anyway. And the rest of that conviction comes as we put one foot in front of the other. Because what happens is, as we are putting forth effort, as we're changing, we see confirming evidence that what we're doing is both right and good and it's working. And and so there's confirming evidence that comes as a result of our action I think very rarely do people set out on a journey to change with with a hundred percent conviction and a hundred percent commitment. I just don't think it works that way. But I think you have to. I think you need enough that you can begin the journey. You can go forward with some effort, and then you can see around you that hey, this is this makes sense, and it's working, and I'm grateful that I'm doing it. I think that often happens. Well, some of our past guests have said that moments of bravery, which is a way of changing, it's a way of changing the direction or the future or you know how someone's behaving or interacting with others. The list is endless. But uh, you know, change happens when the need to say something exceeds the reasons mm-hmm. not to. So for a while, the reasons not to exceeded the reasons to say something brave or do something brave. But at some point, some trigger is pulled, and now the reasons to say something or do something exceed the reasons not to. And now I say, you know what, I have to say something or I have to do something. How am I going to do it? Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. There's a tipping point at some somewhere along the line, and you, and you just go for it. You just go for it. Tim, I'd love to talk uh, a little bit about your book. Again, it's called The Four Stages of Psychological Safety. The subheading is defining the path to inclusion and innovation. You mentioned innovation earlier. You talk about innovation throughout your book. What's the relationship between psychological safety and innovation? Well, think back, uh, step back and think about the nature of innovation. Innovation means that we are changing and improving things. And so innovation by its very nature is disruptive of the status quo. It undermines the status quo. And so then you have to ask the question, okay, if, if, if that's what it really is, then what does it require 
for us as we interact. And very quickly, you come to the conclusion that it requires that we are able to engage in pretty hard-hitting dialogue and debate, that we are able to experiment, that we're able to engage in in what I like to call creative abrasion and constructive dissent. And so if you think about that, that's, that's not an easy process. It, it, it's collaboration, but it's hard-hitting collaboration. It, it, it requires a lot of intellectual friction. And, it, and, and then most of all, it requires personal risk. So on the ladder of personal risk, challenging the status quo is probably the greatest act of vulnerability. So who's going to go do that uh, if you don't feel some psychological safety in the environment? You're just not going to do it. Most people, and this is, this is what I found in my research, most people, even if they want to, if they don't feel it's safe, they're not going to muscle through the fear and just do it. That's, that's, that's not what most people do. Uh, they, what it, the fear, what we found based on the research is that fear changes people's behavior. Conditions drive behavior and fear is one of those conditions. And so if psychological safety is not there, then they will retreat and manage personal risk instead. And so the connection between psychological safety and innovation is absolutely undeniable. It's a direct correlation between the two. We're going to pause in our conversation with Tim Clark and ask that you join us next week when we'll hear more about psychological safety and the role that psychological safety plays in bravery in the workplace. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us this week, and we hope you join us next week as we further explore being brave at work. We also remind you to subscribe to our podcast at BeBraveAtWork.com and or download and listen to our podcast on Pandora, Spotify, Google, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Apple, Overcast, CastBox. We are everywhere. Our podcast today was sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies, whom you can reach at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at CabotRisk.com. Do you have something to say, yet are not saying it? Do you have something to do, yet are not doing it? Now is the time to be brave at work. Have a great week.